the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. Um, for those of y'all who have migrated over to YouTube, welcome. I think that this morning's snafu with Facebook is actually not Facebook's problem. It is mine. I messed up in trying to um, foresee future problems and using new software. I did not know what I was doing. Imagine that. Oh, another anxiety-induced morning with technology. This is the life that we're living. Oh, makes you wonder. Um, which is what I want to talk about this morning. Uh, years ago, my sister, the into-all-things family person, deemed me the eternal Scrooge. And as little sisters do, she loved to pester and to poke and to prod. And so whenever talking to my family and children around Christmas time, she would give me a hard time for being all Scrooge-like. I bet you don't even have any decorations up yet. So a few years ago, we became the buy a Christmas tree the weekend after Thanksgiving family. My drive to not let my family believe my little know-it-all sister. It's always a competition, isn't it? <laughs> so our tree goes up. The decorations come out. The elf flies down from the North Pole. The Advent calendars arrive, all 37 of them. And then all chaos consumes our house. The race feels over, though, when we get to Christmas. Another little confession, we often throw our tree away well before Epiphany. I know it's, it's bad form for us Christians, and I try to justify that because the tree's been in water for a month and is drying out, or as we often do, although not this year, we leave to go out of town, but it rarely feels like there are 12 days of Christmas. Instead, we have this 30 days of Christmas leading up to the big day. We rush without any time to ponder the words of the angel Gabriel to Mary. The words of comfort and encouragement for the bold journey of life that she is about to undertake. Which makes me consider, do we, or do I, rush to get to the celebration or am I rushing to the conclusion I mean, just think about this year while we have all been waiting and waiting and waiting we're also more eager than ever to finish this year how many of you all have found yourselves wishing to say goodbye to 2020. Will it hurry up and be 2021 already? And yet we are becoming more and more aware that there is no easy way through this long, dark winter. The bigger question we should be asking ourselves in light of this season of Advent is what is the loss we incur when we rush through this period of waiting? 
What impact would the wondering and waiting have on our spiritual life? What does it mean to wonder what hope will look like in our lives, in the lives of those that we are connected to, and especially in this world? What does it mean to wait without answers, without certainty, living into a season of Advent? Maybe you are already there, and I hope then that you find these words encouraging. One of the greatest joys of of being here at St. Stephen's has been rekindling some relationships from other chapters in my life. One of those relationships is with one of our clergy, our assisting priest, Ron. He used to have these three wrapped presents on his shelf in his office. And for those of you who've gotten to know Ron, you know how he likes to set things up. You could tell he was just waiting for you to ask, Ron, what are wrapped up in those three boxes? which you wouldn't be surprised to see that twinkle in his eye. Oh, John, what does your heart desire to be in those boxes? And I wonder if those boxes that he had were really just a tool designed to provoke wondering almost as if a spiritual guide to live with uncertainty and yet hope. A way of becoming more comfortable with mystery. I mean, isn't that the beautiful thing about Christmas? The mystery of it all. The wonder in little children's eyes. Because when we wonder... It opens us up to God's profound possibility. Which seems like an unnatural thing to do because we are so accustomed to having definitive answers to everything. We want decisions to be absolute, for truth to be black and white. Wondering then seems risky. At this time of year, I always think about the world that Mary and Joseph lived in. The Roman Empire, a global superpower that exerted her force upon the rest of the world in order for peace to reign. A government that asserted that Caesar was God, a divinely born leader. And for those who refused to buy into this system, they paid with their life. It is this world that Mary flees to to Egypt shortly after giving birth, seeking asylum. It's a reminder that for many, the world has always been a scary place. Throughout human history, we have yet to live in perfect harmony with each other. And so maybe in our gospel, we shouldn't be surprised when we hear that Mary is afraid. Maybe she's scared of the weight of the world that is carried in her womb. Or maybe she is scared to be bringing a child into such a challenging world. 
Zechariah and Elizabeth were scared when the angel Gabriel visited them earlier in Luke. And yet the angel offers those same words of comfort. Do not be afraid. And we can hear Mary perplexed, wondering about the great mystery. She's scared, and Gabriel promises that God is with her and that nothing is impossible with God. Profound words for a woman whose life is fundamentally changed at that moment. It seems more than ever we are living in an age of uncertainty. But maybe we are uncertain because we weren't alive 2,000 years ago when empires were built and others collapsed. I suspect the problems that we face today are not entirely new. And yet the Jewish people who longed for a Savior were also yearning for peace and stability and hope. And so the words of angel, of the angel Gabriel that were hopeful and comforting speak the same truth to us today. A reminder that the world is pregnant with hope because God is with us and nothing is impossible with God. We should hear the angel Gabriel speaking to us. Do not be afraid because you are my beloved. Prior to coming here to St. Stephen's, I worked as a canon in the Diocese of West Tennessee. My role was to help congregations start new ministries, and I was trained with a number of different tools, including a guideline for conversations where the group commits to holding certain values that we called gracious communication guidelines. Our vestry learns these tools at, their, at our annual retreat in January. In the organizing methodology, we ask people to commit to trusting ambiguity because we're not here to debate who is right or wrong. And the way that we do that, the specific way, is that we model using I statements. I notice, or I wonder. Hmm. So when you hear something challenging, I wonder. I wonder. In our covenanted conversations, we ask people to suspend judgment by seeking mutual understanding first. And to do this, people have to wonder. Because wonder opens possibilities. And I know that it sounds so simple, but it's actually one of the most powerful tools I've learned in my ministry. When we suspend judgment through wonder and mystery, we can enter into a divisive place while being grounded. And we are much less likely to respond out of our own sense of certainty. And this is critical in our missional work, which brings device groups together and asks us to learn from each other. See, the problem of jumping to Christmas, of not celebrating Advent, is it forces us into a place of certainty. 
It removes wonder and time by going straight to the conclusion. We move to the end without living intention and mystery of waiting. We believe we know the outcome without being open to possibility. Does wondering give us the confidence to stand in the darkness of the season of Advent and trust in the mystery that God is with us? And then just after the darkest and shortest days of the year, the season of Advent, Jesus comes. Does our wonderment about the world and the mystery of God help reassure us, just as Gabriel's words, to stand in the darkness and trust that hope is to come? In the spirit of our beloved Ron, What does your heart desire for our world to be? Sit with that for a moment. Wonder. Truly wonder. In your heart, how do you see God's love reconciling this broken world? How do you see God's love reconciling our broken relationships, our distrust of each other? With the, God, with the promise that God will not leave us to do this work alone. In the words of Gabriel, do not be afraid, for nothing will be impossible with God. May we see this morning as an invitation to live with wonder in this season of waiting and beyond. Amen.